comedian once said, the devil made me do it. Every time he did something wrong, he said, well, honey, the devil made me do it. We have no excuse as believers to simply blame it on the devil. Truth be told, we do fall into temptation, but as followers of Christ, really, we are able to overcome temptation, and Satan shouldn't have anything to do with it. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church. It's great to have you along. I hope that you're following us as we're in the study of the book of Luke. We're in chapter 3. We're going to get into chapter 4 as well today. So go ahead and get your Bibles and get ready for that. And if you're listening as a Life Connection Group leader or a care leader or a assistant teacher or even someone that's filling in for a teacher, we appreciate you listening, maybe help you kind of get your mind around what we're talking about and get you kind of focused on what we're doing. So you are welcome here. And if you would like the information and you have not received it, maybe you're out of town or don't go to this church or maybe you're from somewhere around the world, just let me know, Trey, T-R-E-Y, at NorthwoodBaptist.com, T-R-E-Y at NorthwoodBaptist.com, and uh, send me that email, and I will put you on the list. We'd love to have you along for this wonderful time in studying the Word of God together. Well, we're in Luke chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at uh, overcoming temptation. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to just make one short request. We're going to be doing more and more with two things. First of all is, of course... Our, we're going to do more and more of the online check-in. You'll see iPads. It'll start popping up. I'll talk to you before it shows up at your class, but you'll see them. And no matter where, which iPad you see, you're welcome to check in on that iPad. Uh, and you will actually see uh, most of you should have them right next or close to your classroom. So hopefully that, that's coming, and so uh, we will make that transition. Second thing is we are going to be also... Uh, reintroducing uh, a way that we can make sure that we are caring for our people, and I'm talking church-wide, and you are a huge part of helping us care for our people church-wide. When somebody mentions something, if you would let me or Pastor Tommy know, that would be awesome. We'll send you an email every single Monday, and then if you would just check yes or no, and then send it back. Of course, if there's a yes, and before you send it back, we would like to know who it is, where they're going to be, and any other information you have so that we can get in contact with them, pray with them, encourage them, uh, help them in the hospital or whatever needs to be done, okay? So we'll talk more about that as the, as the day's finished. As a matter of fact, I'll write it up in my uh, email that I send you. All right, back to Luke chapter 3. We're going, to beginning in, we're going to be beginning in verse 23, which is a strange place you might think to begin because it is the genealogy. And so uh, we'll, we'll start there and then we'll go through the temptation of Christ. Uh, what we're talking about today is overcoming temptation. And I think so many of us think that somehow it's the devil, the devil made me do it, uh, the devil brought that into my life, whatever it is, and we don't take the blame for what we're going through. I want you to know that we are able, as believers in Jesus Christ, to overcome temptation. Uh, sometimes, we, sometimes we make it happen, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we fail. And that's when we have 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the truth be told, we are at war with a real enemy. He prowls about like that roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We wrestle with spiritual forces of, of evil in heavenly places. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 13, as Pastor Tommy mentioned, says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 
So this enticement to sin, this temptation is there. Uh, what we see over and over again in Israel's life, and when we get into genealogies, every one of those people will have fallen to sin and temptation. They would have lost battle after battle. They would have fallen into everything from the worship of other gods to, uh, to immorality to a false belief and other things. Uh, now, the good news is, is that the Old Testament ends with hope because there is one who is coming who will win the battle for you, and that's what Jesus did for us. So right here in the New Testament, we have history about to change. The, the scripture of Genesis 3.15 is going to come true in Jesus, where he will have his, seal, uh, his heel bruised, but he will crush the head of the serpent. And Jesus' whole life is actually a battle against that serpent, the devil himself. So what we're going to look at is we're going to look how Jesus was tempted, and then we're going to come back and say, okay, how then do we accomplish this idea of victory over temptation in our lives? This is, this is a huge lesson for you and your Life Connection group. Uh, this is where we need to be. This is where we need to be living. So there's three ways that we're tempted and then how to overcome. Number one, we are tempted to get what we want now. So this is the first way. We are tempted to get what we want now. Uh, right before his temptation, we had the baptism of Jesus. We talked about that last week. Remember what Jesus, uh, the Father said to Jesus, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And then we have the genealogy. Gene Jesus begins the ministry at, remember how old? About 30 years old. And the same age that a priest would be able to begin his duties at the temple. Now, interestingly enough, if you go back to Matthew and, you go, and then you compare it to Luke, we have uh, different genealogies. Uh, some of the names in, we don't know. But Luke does want us to know that Jesus is, first of all, a descendant of David, and then he is also connecting Jesus with all of humanity. He is a son of Adam uh, because it is out of the lineage of Adam and Eve which, by which someone would crush the head of the serpent. So we have the son of Adam, the son of God, Luke setting up this contrast, and you're going to see this over and over again in the book, uh, the book of Luke. So after, after baptism, Jesus, who is full of the Holy Spirit, is driven to the wilderness. And in interesting words, he is driven by the Spirit. So for 40 days, Jesus fasts and he prays. And uh, remember what the wilderness was for the Israelites? It was a place of failure. And yet the question as you read this should be, would Jesus be able to do what Israel was not able to do, which was to overcome? So at the end of 40 days, he's hungry and he, you know, he's in the desert. Who knows what kind of struggles he's been through. And Satan, the serpent in Genesis 3, is now in the wilderness, no longer in the garden, uh, is to come and to cause hurt, angst, and particularly to cause doubt. So Satan caused Eve to doubt the word of God. And remember what he said? He said, did God really say? So here is Jesus in a wasteland. Nothing. But Jesus is very different from Adam and Eve. Yes, he's fully human. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that. But he is also fully God. He's in fellowship with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity, and Satan knows it. He says, if you are the Son of God, turn the stones into bread. Now, temptation is always subtle. Uh, but it's also a temptation. Temptation is something that we all will experience and have experienced. Uh, what we do when that happens is we tend to depend on ourselves and not on God. You see, that, that's what happened. That's why it's so subtle. We say, well, I can overcome this. i got willpower and other things. So how does Jesus respond? He always responds with the word. 
He, said, he goes back to Deuteronomy over and over again. He uses the book of Deuteronomy. Remember, that was the second giving of the law that was given in the wilderness just before they crossed over the Jordan and went into the promised land and wanted to renew the covenant with God. And so um, anyway, the response that man shall not live by bread alone. So what Jesus understood, what it was not bread that was sustaining him. It was, G it was God the Father himself. And Jesus knew that. So what happens to us is we begin to believe the lie. You know, we, we say things like, you know, God's holding out on me, so I'll do life my way. Uh, he may not be given what you want, what you think you need, uh, but he's giving you something so that you can learn to trust, so that you can be patient, or that he's ultimately giving you something that he would make sure that it was always going to be the best for you, all right? So we believe the lie. That's what happens. When, when we talk about tempted to get what we want now, that's part of that lie. And then we act on the lie. Now, you might not be tempted to turn stone into bread, but you are tempted to do everything in your power to get what you want when you want it, you know, whether it's acceptance or ple pleasure or whether it's suffering, you know, relief from suffering. You're saying, I want what I want when I want it, and I want it right now. So first of all is we are tempted to get what we want now. Second, we are tempted to pursue our own kingdom. So what does he do? He takes Jesus to the high place of the of the uh, wall of, of the um, temple, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Worship me, and you can have it all now. Now, before you say, how could he do that? Well, I don't quite know how he did that. Uh, obviously, there was some satanic thing involved there. Maybe it was some type of satanic screen he had. But I will say that that was the high point. The, the temple was built in Jerusalem, which is the high, one of the high points of Israel. And then the temple, of course, was higher than that. And that corner of the temple was the highest corner of the temple. And I actually stood in front of that, that, uh, that tower where Jesus would have stood. Anyway, uh, Satan tells the lie. He says, and this is the lie, I have authority to give you whatever you want, so worship me. <laughs> He's saying, hey, you can get a shortcut. So Jesus responds uh, with scripture. He says in Deuteronomy 6.13, worship God alone. So will you, are you going to build your own kingdom are you going to pursue God's kingdom? Are you going to do your own thing? You know, what is worthy of worship because you're doing it, so now you are becoming the person who is worthy of worship. Or, and when you do that, every time you play into the enemy's hand. So building your kingdom will cost you intimacy with God. You're pursuing that relationship that has cost you God, so consumed with a person that it has taken you away from the Lord. Um, so these accomplishments that you think you've done have cost you God. Trying to leave that mark because you want to be looked at with high and lofty people, you know, looking at you as how great, how great you are. Um, it's left you little time and energy for God. Maybe you're pursuing wealth. That's, you know, having that financial independence. And because of the time and the effort and all the work that you've put into that, it has cost you God. There's people in your life connection group that are that same way. The whole point of life is loving and obeying God. So building your own kingdom will ultimately leave you without a kingdom. So there's only one king. And so if we reject his kingship, it'll leave you empty. And then third, we are tempted to let our circumstances shape our faith. Now, Satan knows, uh, Satan knows that Jesus knows the word. So what he does, he manipulates the word. So here Jesus is quoting scripture, and then Satan quotes Psalm 91. And he says, if you're the Messiah, your father will protect you. He can't let you die. He says, you know, I'll, I'll give his angels charge over you. Still lets you uh, strike your 
foot against a, a stone. So, you know, this idea that he would protect him. Um, so that's the third temptation. And the temptation is this, prove God to be true. If he loves you, he's going to act. If he doesn't, he must not love you. So here's the temptation. Put God to the test. Let your circumstances dictate how you think about God and how you respond. So what does Jesus do? He goes back to Deuteronomy 6. And he says, you shall not put your God to the test. Now, we've all been in situations where we've been tempted to let our circumstances shape how we think about God. You said, God, prove it. If you love me, come through for me. Answer my prayer. And we, we give him stipulations, how he is supposed to answer our prayers. And if he doesn't do it your way, then you think, well, he must not love me. Uh, and, and people are, feel that just about every day when they struggle. They think it wasn't in their way so that somehow God has lost his love for them. Uh, you forget his word is promised that he, to you that he will be faithful. There will be times that God may not do what you want him to do, but that doesn't mean that he's not faithful. So when you do face temptations, and you will, what do you do to overcome? Well, you see Jesus as your example. You have the same resources. Think about it. He had the love of the Father. We have the love of the Father. Remember, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And he says that about us too. And Next resource, he had the Word of God. We have the Word of God. Do you know it? And I'm not talking about simple facts about the Word, but do you meditate on it? You know, ask your Life Connection group. Do they have any scriptures that are their go-to scriptures when they're struggling with the temptation that besets them? That whatever that temptation, maybe it's the temptation to gossip. Maybe it's that temptation to be angry. Maybe that's temptation towards bitterness. Maybe it's a te temptation towards hate. Maybe it's a temptation to cause division in your family and your, with your friends. What are the scriptures that they use? Use the word of God. And then finally, the spirit. God's spirit dwells in each one of us. If we're followers of Christ, the spirit of God dwells in us. We are not in the battle alone. Don't think you're alone. You're, the Spirit is there with you. So first is that we see Jesus as our example. Use, his, use the same resources he did. Then you see Jesus as your substitute. You see, the gospel is Jesus in my place. He succeeded where we fell. Adam and Eve fell in the garden, uh, believed the lies of Satan. Jesus does not. And so he is the one who succeeds when we cannot. Israel fell in the wilderness and you will fail in your place of testing and temptation. But Jesus succeeds in our place. Jesus lived the life that Adam was supposed to live. He lived the life that Israel was supposed to live, that we were supposed to live. He said yes where we should have said yes. He said no where we should have said no. We've all asked, am I good enough? You're not. But Jesus was good enough for, for, for you because he was the one who obeyed in your place, died in your place, took your place. You should have died for your rebellion, but the perfect Son of God took your sin upon himself. In exchange, his good life was placed on you. Jesus is, a, is an example, and you need an example, but you need to know how to overcome temptation. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13? Go back and look that up in your Bible. You need to. This has got to be one of those go-to verses when it says that he will provide a way of escape. That's Jesus. He is our way of escape. So when you see Jesus as your substitute, you'll change. You'll be confident that in your identity, you no longer are going to believe the lies of Satan and you're going to want to know how his word, uh, what his word says. You're going to know his word and then you're going to apply it and allow the spirit to grow so you can stand the attacks of the enemy. Followers, stop beating yourself up if you're falling. If you're falling, get up. Confess 1 John 1, 9. Remember you're still loved. You're his beloved son. You start obeying. 
If you're tempted, you run to the Word. Put yourself in, in a place to experience God's protection as you allow Jesus to be your substitute. All right, let's jump into the questions. Uh, what is temptation? You do need to talk a little bit about that, I think. And then jump down to number three because how can your Life Connection Group be a valuable resource for you when you're fighting temptation? Y'all need to talk about that. Can you, can you bring, uh, you know, prayer, prayer, prayer for one another, of course. Helping each other memorize scripture. Being accountability partners for each other. Uh, just those phone calls on a, on a weekly basis to one another, all right? So talk about that as a Life Connection Group and then follow through. Help, help your people follow through on those uh, uh, commitments to one another. And then if you want to get deeper into it, you can go to James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. I would uh, actually recommend you read it in the uh, Peterson translation if you can get hold of that. I think it's probably online. But it really uh, knocks it out of the park explaining how temptation works. All right, uh, let's examine the text. Uh, first of all, we're going to go into the genealogies. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what, how the genealogies and what they mean to us. And remember, uh, what happened is we have Matthew's genealogy and we have Luke's genealogy. They're different. Uh, there's some 77 names, and if you want to go back and, and get into that with your people, then do it, um, if you have the time to do it. But at least let them know the idea that uh, Luke's purpose was to definitely let people know he was the Messiah, the one who was promised to David who would be born as Messiah, born of the lineage of David, and also that he is also linked all the way back to as a son of Adam. So Jesus as the son of Adam, uh, and we're going to set up a contrast now. And the genealogy starts at here the son of Adam versus Jesus and how they're different and what they went through and the, even the different places that they were tempted. And one won, who's Jesus, and one lost, who was Adam. All right, so if you want to get into more of that, feel free. Uh, Luke 3, 38, we are going to read that. So uh, go back up to that. And it just go, it's the end of the genealogies as we talk about son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, and the son of God. And that's why we, we talked about that just a minute ago. But Luke takes his genealogy all the way back to Adam because he wanted us to know that he identifies as one of us. And But even though he's one of us, he did not sin. He, he uh, was tempted in all manner as we were, yet without sin. So don't ever forget that. Um, Luke refers to Adam as the son of God. What does Luke mean by this? Well, uh, Adam was birthed by God, made by God. So he was that person that was designed to fulfill God's will, God's plan, and God's ways, but he failed. But he was still the son of God. He, he was created by God. And uh, then we have Jesus. Um, and then Jesus is uh, now not a son of God, but he is the son of God. All right, and again, setting up that contrast. Number three, how is the story of the temptation of Jesus connected to the story of the baptism of Jesus? Well, remember what happened is Jesus is up there and uh, when he is finished with the baptism, he comes through, the Holy Spirit descends upon him, which is very important for the temptation. And then number two, uh, God speaks from heaven. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this is the one who has pleased God. This is the one who is loved by God. So those two things are also going to help us uh, to help, help us overcome uh, temptation. Um, <clears throat> so, of course, it's connected to the genealogy of Jesus and that Jesus is setting up this contrast between what Adam went through and what Jesus went through we already talked about. All right, Luke 4, 1 through 2. Luke 4, 1 through 2. Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. 
And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. All right, so we have those, that passage of Scripture, and we find out that the Holy Spirit himself led Jesus in the wilderness. So here Jesus is led in the wilderness, just like the children of Israel were led into the wilderness. And Jesus now is in the place where the Israelites failed, and he is going to win. Of course, the wilderness is very spiritually, every, spiritually significant for them. That's where they hid from Egypt. That's where they uh, received their, their freedom from slavery. That's where they also failed. That's where they received the word of God. That's where uh, uh, they did have some incredible visions of what God could do. Uh, they were able to see what God could do. And there were times that they did obey him in the wilderness. So all kinds of things going on in the wilderness. And now we have Jesus there too. Um, so uh, what, uh, what parallel is Luke helping us to see between Jesus' wilderness experience and Israel's? We just said that. All right, Luke 4, 4 through 12. And this is the temptation itself. It starts with Jesus answered him because Satan just tempted him. said, uh, if you're the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. So uh, you might want to change that to 3 to 12, by the way. Notice each temptation that, G that Satan tempted Jesus with. Based on what you see in these verses, what is Satan's strategy to get us to fall into temptation? Remember, it's to depend upon ourselves and not him. That's the big one. We tend to say, well, I can make it on my own. I can do it on my own. I want this for myself, and I want it now. Um, number six, uh, how does Jesus respond to each temptation? Every single time he goes back to the book of Deuteronomy, which is the word of God, all done in the, all done in the wilderness. All the, the Deuteronomy was the, the, the book that was uh, given to the children of Israel, Israel just before they left the wilderness. We're going to cross the Jordan and get into the promised land. So Jesus responds by going to the word of God. Now, how do we usually respond to temptation? Uh, well, I'd like to say that we win every time, but we don't do it. We usually respond to temptation maybe trying to do it ourselves, you know, having willpower. I can overcome this myself. I can do it. I can make it. Uh, you know, we, we do all kinds of things that depend upon us instead of looking to God, looking to his spirit, looking to his word to help us become who we need to be. Okay, what can we do to begin to respond to temptation more like Jesus responds? Well, obviously, there's a couple things. First of all, you recognize that it is that Jesus is the loved son, and we are loved too. So Jesus, as our example, we have those, those resources. We have the love of the Father, just like the Father's voice at Jesus' baptism, you're my beloved son. He says that to you, you're my beloved. We have the word of God. Now, we're, we're not talking about just simple facts about the word of God. We're talking about having the word of God memorized as you meditate on it and know how to use the word of God to fight that battle, all right? Um, uh, number three is that we have the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You're not alone. Jesus wasn't alone, and you are not either. The Spirit is with you. All right, number seven. What is the theological connection that Luke wants us to make in this passage? Well, obviously, he wants us to connect Jesus as our substitute. The idea of the gospel that Jesus in my place, that he succeeded where we fell, right? Adam and Eve fell in the garden. They believed the lies of Satan. Jesus doesn't. He succeeds in our place. Jesus is the second Adam that wins the battle. If you want to go back and look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 to 49, it would be a wonderful opportunity to go and do that and just to study that and to let that uh, uh, work through you as you understand this concept of the second Adam. 
Uh, okay, let's apply the truth. In what ways does Satan most often tempt us? Well, he tempts us at our point of weakness, I would say. And he also tempts us in ways that help us think that we can get through it ourselves. How does knowing the tactics of the enemy help you in your battle against the temptation? He has a very small playbook. And so with that small playbook, if you know what he's going to do, it's easy to battle. It's easy to do battle with him because you know what he's going to do. Um, <clears throat> number two, the story of the temptation of Jesus is a reminder that Jesus is an example for us to follow when we experience temptation. So how can we better follow the example of Jesus when we are tempted? We talked about those, the love of the Father, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. Um, number three, the story of the temptation of Jesus is a reminder that we need Jesus as our substitute. Okay. Um, number four, uh, how can we help each other battle against temptation? Well, the obvious answer is we can help by being accountable to one another. We can help by praying for one another. We can help by putting arms around each other and, and saying, hey, listen, I'm with you in the battle. I'm not, I'm not better or worse than you. We're in this thing together. And we're going to get through this. We're going to make it through. It takes all of us to win. God didn't make us a church so that we could go off and be, try to do these battles alone. All right? Let your Life Connection group know that. All right. So then finally respond to the truth. What do you think God is calling you to do in response to Luke 3.23 to 4.13? And I hope it's to overcome temptation and to use the Word of God and to know that God loves you and all those things. Um, in response to Luke 3.23 to 4.13, how should you pray? God, help me. Help me to know your word. Help me to uh, follow you. Help me to depend upon you. Um, may your Holy Spirit work through me that I would be able to overcome sin. All right? All those things will help you and pray for your people that way. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We're done for this week. I look forward to sticking my head in your, in your classroom. Be, do be in prayer for Brother Johnny. Uh, Pastor, uh, Brother Johnny excuse me, has uh, had shoulder surgery and uh, needs our prayers. I know it's going to be a lot of pain involved. They said he's going to have a lot of pain management. I don't think he'll be here this Sunday, but um, we'll see. Uh, anyway, be in prayer for uh, uh, Johnny as he, uh, and that's um, Johnny Cutrell, by the way. <clears throat> okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we would be able to overcome temptation. Father, we would follow the example of Christ and that we would recognize that he was our substitute. He took our place and he is the one that has won the battle for us. We don't have to if he's on our side. So, Lord, may we depend upon him as never before through his Holy Spirit, through your word, and, Lord, just knowing that you love us with an undying love, the one who died in my place. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.